Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of 747 Conversations. It's your host, Chris Shembra, and yep, I'm recording this from a bubble in the backyard of our apartment here in New York City. I hope all is well your way, and I thank you in advance for tuning in. Today, it's going to be a special episode. It's a it's a rarity that we get to talk to someone that I've actually met in person, and I enjoy spending a great deal of time with this person. Miss Katie Huntmore is one of the most interesting people that you're going to hear from in a long time. She does so many things for our world. Just before we were uh, hopping on the call, she told me uh, about the unfortunate passing of Mr. Richard Branson's mother, Eve. And when describing Miss Eve, Katie said that, you know, even though Miss Branson was always in the center of the party, she always kept an eye on the people on the outside. And that's just what Katie does. She's the head of the Virgin Unite Constellation, focused on catalyzing individuals and organizations to benefit humanity and our planet. Yes, that same Virgin Unite, part of the Richard Branson Group. She's also co-founder and director of Giamini.org, a nonprofit that gives brilliant kids in Tanzania the power to change society through education. That's going to be the main topic of conversation today, how we can serve our climate, women, and young girls of our world. In her previous life, she served as the head of values and impact team at Etsy and held several positions in media the last of which was, well, building the, the ESG group at, at Reuters um, and overseeing the, the Australia-Pacific region for them. I'm a personal donor to Giamini, her nonprofit, and I can attest that they are doing such great work for the people of our world. And so without further ado, I welcome you, Katie, to the 747 Conversations podcast. It's an honor to have you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I mean, we've shared some long coffee and tea chats down in the Lower East Side. We've we met each other originally through our dear mutual friend David Homan, and and I have to thank him for what he does to build community, you know, across this great city. Well, the first question that we always ask at the start of every podcast, Katie, is. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, that you've never thought to thank, who would that be? This is going to be my grandmother, um, who was a trailblazer in many respects. She started teaching yoga in the 1940s in Broomfield, Colorado. And you can imagine what an outlier she was. Um, She was an entrepreneur. She started her own restaurant, started a gardening business, and really broke a trail for women um, in an era when you were just supposed to be a housewife and a mom. And she never accepted that. And I think she um, passed away many, many years ago, but she has just been an ongoing influence in my life. And really those moments of 
um, complaining, giving up, feeling overburdened, um, considering what she pushed through and what she accomplished and just how much spirit and power she had. Definitely uh, helped me put my boots back on. Spirit, power, these are amazing adjectives of a woman, of, of any individual. What adjectives would she use to describe herself, do you think? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I think she would say something along the lines of, I dance through life. And Ooh. she just had this way of hosting and making people feel comfortable and also really challenging. I think there's some there's a delicate balance uh, between making people feel welcome, which is an art we all need to practice, and I do think there's some world changing possibility there, and pushing people to be the best version of themselves, not just accepting the the weaker parts of folks when you know that they can do more. So I think she she pushed both of those. You mentioned that she was an outlier that she broke a trail for women, right? She was ahead of her time doing yoga in the 1940s. The, the idea of being an outlier takes a lot of courage and strength to do something against or different to, you know, what other people are doing. When society finally caught up, to the benefits of yoga, to the benefits of dancing through life, to the benefits that she was advocating for, for women of this world. When the world finally caught up and it became not normal, but the early majority started to catch on, how did her work change when she was no longer that outlier, the pioneer ahead of the curve? She was always excited to have a group around her and um, didn't mind being the weird one, didn't mind being different, which you can imagine in the 1950s and 60s in middle America, that's um, pretty unique for a woman to not care what other people think, but didn't need to wear that badge of being original. So she did what she wanted and the more people that came along, the happier she was. <laughs> she and my grandfather used to host 24 hour parties. And I didn't know this until I was going through some of their stuff. I found these flyers. They had five children, <laughs> which oh. apparently hung out in their rooms and they would host 24 hour raging parties. It just, everybody was welcome. Um, and we're passing out flyers, right? So it's not about exclusivity. It's about bringing anyone in the neighborhood, anyone in the community into their home. And I think that's how she felt about everything that she did. The more people, the better. It sounds like you inherited a lot of those similar loves of being a trailblazer, building community. When did you realize in your life that you and her had a lot more in common than anybody could ever know? I think she um, 
she taught me the art of compliments and she would compliment me and sort of raise me up in these really unique ways that people don't often do for kids. Right. And, um, continue to do so as I became an adult and started to achieve certain things. And I recognized in telling someone else about her that I was using the same language that she complimented me with in order to describe her. Um, the art of the compliment. That's a new thing. A woman named Lynn Twist, who wrote a book once upon a time called The Soul of Money, Transforming Your Relationship with Money and Life. An entire chapter of her book says, I remember it saying, what you appreciate, appreciates. How does a compliment, how can you make a compliment different to someone who's used to getting praise and compliments already? Well, I think the biggest thing is that we all have this armor um, that is not particularly helpful. That um, I guess you could call it imposter syndrome, but the doubts that we have about ourselves, this layer between you and the world. And for most people, when you receive a compliment, it sort of bounces off that armor. Someone says something really nice about you and you change the subject, you deflect, you say, oh, okay, thank you, thank you. And, or you reverse it. But you are so fantastic and wonderful instead of really absorbing it. And I think that there, it's not as much an issue of what you say as really insisting that it penetrates that armor. And that can just be a matter of repeating it or really making sure that the person sees and feels what you've just said. Sometimes it's just intense eye contact that gets them to really recognize. Like, these aren't just words. This is a gift to you and really meant to build you up um, in a way that you deserve. Hmm. You know, that is one thing I'll never forget about you is your eye contact. It's it's truly when you when you when you sit with Katie, whether you're in a group of two or in a group of a hundred, and she gives you her attention, it's an undivided attention. It is intense, it's powerful, it's piercing. Uh my question to you, your work has essentially been to go to some of the most powerful people on the planet and help them take off their armor to penetrate it so that they can use some of what they've accumulated in life to solve large scale social and environmental issues. How do you get people to give a shit about what you think they should give a hoot about? Yeah, I think there is no greater um, sense of connectedness than when you can give to another person or to a cause or an organization that you feel strongly about. And 
it doesn't have to be necessarily just writing checks. That's not what I mean. I think there are so many ways to contribute to someone else having a good day, um, adopting a dog. There's a, a huge spectrum. But I think we've all felt those moments when you're actually really able to give in a way that you know has changed something for another person, um, maybe for the planet, maybe for an animal. There's no greater sense of connectivity. And I think the, the thing that we're missing the most in our current society, and particularly right now with the pandemic, is connection. So mm. when you have the ability to take whatever it is you've accumulated, um, it might be money, it might be time, it might be skills and ideas, it might just be love, and give that out, you're able to connect to the greater sense of humanity as well as those that you're serving in a way that I think enriches a piece of us that has been left, left forgotten for quite some time in our society. And I think speaking to people that have certain types of power, it's just a matter of tapping that passion. It doesn't have to be about anything in particular. And I think the good fortune of my work is that I don't represent a specific issue or organization or cause. It's more about just getting folks excited about contributing whatever it is they have to give to something that they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so cool, this transformative power that you're talking about, you know, the power of giving you touched on an unfortunate fact about our world today that we are more lonely, uh, disconnected, more unfulfilled than ever before. You know, the Surgeon General of the United States put out a statistic saying that 51% of the American workforce reports being lonely on a consistent basis, which is unfortunately equivalent to the reduction of lifespan of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Seven years off your life, we've got an entire nation, an entire world of miserable people. I don't say that lightly. And one of the things that happens when you're lonely, disconnected, unfulfilled, insecure is that you don't believe in yourself. You don't believe that you're here or able to have an impact on others. Now, if you look into the language of Swahili, there is a word that literally translates to believing in yourself and what a great power that is to help others believe in themselves and to believe that they too can have an impact and that word in that literal translation is Giamini and you started an organization with that name tell me how that all came about yeah um so this was in 2007 I had never been to the African continent and a friend of mine had just moved there in order to join the Peace Corps. She was living in this remote area of Tanzania and for totally selfish reasons, that will be a really cool experience. Rather than try to go on some tourist thing, I'll actually experience some reality of the continent. Um, it was being there that we met two of her neighbors, um, young kids for different reasons were going to have to drop out of school. One was an orphan. He didn't know his parents. 
didn't have any family in the community. And every night was figuring out where he was going to sleep, how he was going to get a meal and didn't have any money to pay for school. And the other was a young girl, Jamila, who father had just passed away. Um, her stepmother made alcohol in their home, which is a one room house. And she's sort of coming of age in what is effectively a bar. And again, there's just no extra money at home for her to go to school. So I thought, okay, well, I don't have any money. My Peace Corps friend certainly doesn't have any money, but we could create some kind of pool and we'll get people's parents and our friends and everybody will come together and we'll be able to put these two kids through school. So I marched very proudly to the primary school office the next day and said, we're going to sponsor these two kids. And like, what's the bill? It's going to be $35. Oh. So the difference between these young people stopping education in third grade and going on to what is now, both have finished university, and uh, one is an entrepreneur, one is figuring her next step out, she's just about to graduate, was $35. Even for a broke early 20-something, that's not a significant amount of money. And I think it was at that moment I realized the disparity that we hear so much about within the human experience really hit, right? Like this, this really, unfortunately, throwaway amount of money for a person in my position was a life changer for these young kids. So we decided, look, let's work with the community. Let's find 10 other kids that are in the same circumstance and I will go home and I will find 10 people to give me $35. We upped it because we included school uniforms and extra tutoring and there's a class trip that we could pay for and all these things. So it was going to be $75 a year per person. And it was without intention of starting an organization, went home and turned out to be really easy. So within the first week of me being back, we had our 10 kids sponsored. Wow. And we just figured out how to grow this incrementally over time. And everything that we've done has been um, guided by the kids themselves, even the name. We asked them what we should name the organization, what would give them excitement and pride and fuel them to um, continue their education. So they chose the name Giamini. And these kids work so hard in a way that um, makes me reflect on my own education with some degree of shame. Um, <laughs> the, they very often are doing everything in the household. So it's cooking, cleaning, farming the food. Then they go to school all day. And then part of their scholarship from us covers two sets of additional tutoring and weekend classes that we hold. Um, now, we do everything in the public school system, which we're very dedicated to. But what that amounts to is school six days a week, sometimes for 12 hours a day. And they love it. They cannot get enough because they understand the opportunity that it holds. And if I think back on my education, I basically couldn't wait to get through it and tried to get out of as much of it as I could. Um, so these, they really, really are extraordinary kids um, and teach me. And it's going on 14 years in February. Um, 
still teach me more every year than I would think possible. What a lesson in perspective, in inspiration by the work of others. But here you are, thousands of miles away, advocating on behalf of them to people that you know, to people you've never met before. How do you get someone connected or passionate about what someone is going through halfway around the world? I think it depends on the person you're talking to. And each of us has our own sort of texture in analyzing what's important to us. And for some folks, it's going to be emotional. And it is telling the individual story of one of our students that's living through such hardship with joy, with humor, with perseverance and grit. And that is a shared human experience. It doesn't matter that the person is in Tanzania and you're in LA or New York or London or wherever. And it doesn't matter that their lived experience is something that you probably can't imagine and sure as hell they can't imagine your lived experience. The base emotions that we understand are the same. And we understand what it means to go through something that's hard, even though our hardships are different. We understand what it means to push through that and succeed and how fantastic that can feel. So the commonalities in many ways override the differences. And I think the differences are are interesting. They're points of learning. Um, they're exciting and exotic in a lot of ways. But the commonality, I think, is what drives people to get excited about our work and more specifically to get excited about our students. Um, some folks will support projects of ours, but a lot of people will sponsor one student. And then they form a deep connection with a single kid. They really understand that kid's story. They video message back and forth. And over the course of that student's development, the sponsor really is a part of their story. Hmm. Um, we have kids that were in the top six in the entire country, um, despite being poor and from a very disenfranchised region of the country, and we're going to have to drop out of school. And because of their sponsor, they went all the way through university, which under 7% of Tanzanian students do, and are achieving extraordinary things. One student I'm talking about, Guakisa, is an engineer now. That would never have happened if this person hadn't just decided, I'm going to intervene and pay a small amount of money and change someone's life and really be a part of the, their personal journey. So I think that human connection is one one way. Um, and then there are folks for whom it's a little bit more technical. Think about the greatest impact that your donated dollars can have. And there's a pretty clear path, actually. So climate change, probably the biggest issue that our generation is facing and maybe humanity has ever faced. There's a fantastic body of work called Project Drawdown, which everybody should check out. And it was um, written by Dr. Catherine Wilkinson and Paul Hawken and a number of others. 
And the concept was humanity just needs a top 100 list of solutions to climate change. And we can just kind of knock things off. So pull a bunch of data science scientists together, worked on the gigaton of warming gas that each of these solutions would bring. Voila. The number six solution to climate change was educating women and girls. The number seven was family planning, which is largely seen as a, a female right. So taken together, the number one solution to climate change by gigaton of warming gas is empowering women and girls. The convenient part of that is it's actually also the cheapest solution. <laughs> so if you look at winding that back for a small amount of money, we can put a lot of girls through school. And what that does is it keeps them from getting married early. It keeps them from getting pregnant early. It gives them the finances and the education and understanding to make sure that the younger generations are taken care of. So they will have fewer children and they will have them later in life. We space out the generations and there are fewer kids, but they're much better taken care of. And they're uh, performance statistics and likelihood that they'll go through school, likelihood that they'll survive infancy, all of these things go sh skyrocket. The other convenient part of it is that when you empower women, you also stabilize democracies um, and do a number of fantastic things for societies themselves. So it really is a linchpin solution. And the convenient part about our work is that we just offer a very inexpensive conduit to making that happen. So for the folks that are technical and they're really looking at what is the ROI of my donated dollar, if I give you $10, I want to get the most out of that. Well, educate a girl and you're hitting a ton of social issues. You're hitting climate change and you're also changing someone's life and the lives of their families. Wow. I love that you broke it down into two things. You know, A, stories, stories connect. And creating connection with the sponsee is, you know, you're building a relationship. But number two, you bring math into the equation and you talk about ROI and you talk about KPIs and you talk about the actual being able to track, um, you know, a dollar. Um, that's pretty neat. I mean, you know, as an example, I love... Not that it's on the Giamini website, I, I haven't asked that, but on the um, on the Virgin Unite website, for instance, you communicate that all the overhead is taken care of by um, you know the Virgin Group and and Richard the, the you know the Branson family, and so a hundred percent of the donations can go directly to the source, and it's really neat when you can have that type of transparency with your community. Um, yeah, and the is, same is true for Giamini, actually. So a hundred percent of the overheads are covered, um, largely because my co-founders and I work as volunteers. So, um, everything goes, goes straight to the ground and straight to our kids and our schools and our projects. Oh, I love that. Have any of the kids come over to America yet? Um, they have not. We did have two kids go to college in South Africa, which was just extraordinary. Um, the education system leaves a lot to be desired. We're passionately working on fixing that. But for them to step into a much more sophisticated 
uh, collegiate system. It's a really, really big deal. And um, they just did extraordinarily well. The, um, I, 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 I love, by the way, the, um, a lot, some of the, um, the, the wide variety of topics that your students are passionate about and they like to study. For instance, Joseph, um, part of your program since 2014, his passion is mechatronics. I, I, I don't even know what that is, but he sounds like a genius. Um, some want to be a doctor. Some want to be in computer skills. Some want to be teachers themselves. It's amazing the variety of dreams that your organization has helped them inspire. Um, it's 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 really heartwarming, heartwarming, heartwarming diversity. Um. Oh, sorry, you were going to go. Yeah, I mean, what's been exciting to see is because we've been doing this work for 14 years now, a lot of our kids have graduated. They've become professionals and they come back to Geomedia in various ways. So the Geomedia employees are former graduates. Um, One of our graduates, Frank, started a computer lab um, and is now the teacher for all of Giamini's digital literacy programs. <laughs> this is a kid that we met when he was, you know, 11 years old, pre-puberty, just a little squirt. And he's teaching hundreds of kids now how to access the internet. Um, we have uh, Shaweji, who has become a nurse and a, and a medical tech, and he's the only medical professional with a, in a hundred mile region. And so he's delivering babies and saving lives single-handedly. And this is a kid who wasn't going to go to school, period. Mm. Uh, So we just have extraordinary ways in which the kids are really dedicated to building their communities up. And no matter what they do, they always come back and sort of give uh, motivational speeches (laughs) to to the younger ones. And it works brilliantly. Um, We have a program teaching literacy to kids that have kind of fallen through this, the cracks of the public school system. And all of our literacy tutors are GME unique graduates that are on their way to college and they use their tutoring money to pay for college. So we kind of get this virtuous cycle going and the work they're able to do just by being older role models that have lived the same or similar mm-hmm. stories they can get kids up to grade level reading within three months. Oh, wow. And it really is about the, the personal connection that they're able to build and that um, you know they get to be a role model for the first time in their lives and the younger kids just love looking up to them and they become sort of the older siblings of these younger ones. So there, there's a, a deep commitment to community and family and all of our kids really see the whole of Geomenia is their family. That's pretty neat. Earlier in the podcast, I asked you a very particular question on gratitude. You know, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in life that you don't, who would that be? And you answered your, your grandmother. If, and then you talked about certain things that she embodied, her spirit power, dancing through life, mastering the art of the compliment. If I went over and 
asked some of these kids that you've put through your program, if they could give credit and thanks to one person in their life that they don't give enough credit or thanks to, and they said you, what do you hope they would say about you? <laughs> you know, I think there's a, a very high form of compliment, um, which makes cultural sense there that you are, she is our sister. And the way you refer to people is always as brother or sister, um, mom, dad, grandpa. But I would refer to you as my brother, Chris. So we're all in connection. We are all family. And I think, um, I think that what they would say if asked about me is she is our sister. I think Hmm. that says it all. Beautiful. And as we start kind of looping around, um, we always have to ask if your grandmother was with us here today, what would you say to her? You know, I, I know that she knew how important she was to me, but I think we don't, make enough time to be as clear and direct and penetrating as we need to be with the people that have really given us everything in life. And so I think letting her know exactly how she's influenced me and how much I refer back to her as a touchstone um, years after she's passed You think you could ever tell her story to the kids that go through your program? Oh, absolutely. Um, I love having fun with the kids and doing weird. Uh, there's a a term that means foreigner. So it's Mzungu kind of things. Um, like headstands and different yoga stuff that just is goofy fooling around with them. And I always explain where that came from and where I learned how to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, re- it reminds me of a time I was staying at uh, two friends houses in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, a- actually, you may know, Cat. Uh, do you know Cat Cole and Daly Irvin? I don't know. Tremendous, tremendous individuals. Uh, but I was sitting there with Daly and his oldest kid who's not old at all. He's less than four came in and he had the, the key to his, or the, um, the, the pull cord for his Peloton for Daly's Peloton. And he said, um, ocean, don't lose that. That's daddy's key. Don't please don't lose that. And ocean said, I won't daddy. I won't. And Daly said, and why is that? And he said, well, I'm young, I'm strong, and I'm free. I am a man of my word. He was three years <laughs> old. And I looked at Daly, and it was so rehearsed. And I said, Daly, what is that? He said, I learned that from my grandmother. Uh, and it's it's just these really neat things that, you know, here I am talking to a, a, a you know, you who's been at something for 14 years. And... You know, if, if you had uh, if you had ten years onto that, you're going to have taken care of two generations 
of a family from afar. And that's a pretty neat thing to know that your grandmother's stories, her yoga, her lungo, what is it? Uh, sorry, Jungo. Zungo. Uh, the Zungo that exudes from you will carry on for multiple generations. That's a pretty neat thing. So I thank you for all the work you do. Look, we haven't even touched on one one hundredth of the work you do. You're you're a multifaceted woman. But I thank you for at least giving us a glimpse into that tiny, impactful chapter of your brain. Uh, Katie, do you have any last words before we close out? Oh, thank you. Um, I think, Chris, your your gift to all of us is so much in the brand of gratitude. And I think this year more than ever, we have um, had the opportunity to come face to face with challenges and a lot of gratitude for our situation. So just want to thank you for putting that out there. Um, for being a source of light for people that are struggling and a source of uh, returning to what is beautiful in life for people that aren't struggling and are, are looking for reasons to celebrate. So thank you. My pleasure. Well, it's an honor knowing you and for all of our listeners, uh, please take it upon yourself to reach out, follow Katie and her numerous endeavors. Uh, please go check out giamini.org. It's a, it's actually a really neat thing. You can, you can sponsor gifts you know, on, be, on behalf of other folks and, and you send it to them kind of like as a beginning of the year kind of gift. You know, we always say, you know, tw- 2020 was, uh, well, what it was. Um, and in order to close 2020 out and open 2021, um, First, you got to give gratitude to the lessons we learned in 2020 and and for the positive things that occurred in 2020 for some. Um, But then you don't pay it back. You pay it forward. And Giamini is a great organization to pay it forward with. Um, Please reach out to Katie if you have any connections, thoughts, comments, concerns, ways that you want to get involved with this beautiful organization. Um, We're going to put our contact info in the bio below. You can find her on LinkedIn or just reach out to us and we'll broker the introduction. Big thanks to David Homan for introducing us. Big thank you to Katie. I think the biggest thing I learned today is that he may not be able to change the whole world, but as long as you can change one person's whole world, you've done enough. And we all have that power. We all have that power to pick a, whether it's one individual's or six individuals as they got started and know that if you build on that year over year, month after month, as Bill Gates says, you, you'll likely overestimate what you can do in a year, but underestimate what you can do in 10. And pretty soon you'll wake up and you'll have an organization that has done what Giamini's done, supporting hundreds of kids um, halfway around the world, empowering them to believe in themselves in the true Swahili definition of Giamini. So thank you for tuning in. Hit share on this podcast. Subscribe to all the rest of our episodes and keep listening. We're going to keep bringing you some of uh, some pretty neat people, people that are out to make a difference. Um, Practice gratitude. 
practice connection, helping people become a little bit less lonely in this digital and disconnected world that we live in. So I hope y'all are having a phenomenal day on Earth. Remember, folks, it's your world. Go explore, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you.